Turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I want to talk to you all tonight about zeal. And along with that, we're probably going to touch on grace. In fact, I titled this, Where is our zeal? You look at what Jesus did here and you see that that it took a great deal of boldness. It took a great deal of uh, authority on his part to go into a temple into uh, probably a lot of people he didn't even know and walk in there and just take charge of the situation. Sat down and made him a little whip and just went in there and just wreaked havoc upon these people that were abusing his father's house. Now, why do you think he did that? Do you think he just didn't like what was going on and wasn't going to have it? Well, you know, that was part of it. But I'm going to tell you all that Jesus had something that a whole lot of people lack today, and it's not just respect for the house of God, but it's zeal for the house of God. Zeal for the things of God. You see, there's, there's a certain level of complacency that's in effect today amongst the people of this world, especially this country. And because of the comfort level that we enjoy, we have somehow forgotten how important it is what we're called to do. You know, we have a, we have a commission, a great commission that Jesus gave us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you know, we have it, just look around you tonight. You know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but look who's not here. Me and Brother John talked about this a little bit before church. There's just not a zeal for the things of God like there used to be and like there should be. People, you know, they, they do what they need to do to just get by and that's all they want to do. They've got other priorities in their life and they have lost the zeal for God. You know, they may have had it at one point in time. They may have at, at one point when they were first saved, when they first received Jesus and understood the, the, the gravity of what had happened in their life, they had a zeal. But soon those things passed away because they didn't keep replenishing what it was God had started in their life. And they began to look to the world for pleasure 
for contentment. Paul said he understood something about being content. He said he could be content whether he was abounding or whether he was being abased. He could be content. But see, Paul understood something different about contentment than what people, especially of this country today, think about contentment. Paul was thinking about contentment from the standpoint of what God had provided for him. And he was going to be content whether he had nothing or whether he had everything. Because he knew whatever he had, that was the very thing God wanted him to have. See, that's a good kind of contentment. But there's another kind of contentment that says, I'm going to find contentment in the things of this world. And I'm not going to be happy with anything unless I've got the newest new thing out there. Unless I'm just steadily seeking and working toward material things. Obviously, that's not a good kind of a contentment. But it's that kind of contentment that tears away your zeal for the things of God. It's that seeking worldly pleasure, seeking uh, materialistic things, seeking things of this world instead of seeking things of God first. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. That sounds a little bit like zeal. That sounds a little bit like Desiring the things of God, don't it? Earnestly contend for the faith. How many of y'all earnestly contended for the faith this past week? I don't see any hands. I'm, I'm glad I don't because then I'd feel that much worse. I didn't raise my hand. Earnestly contend for the faith. We got Brother Sabine sitting here doing missionary work in Romania. He didn't raise his hand. We got people sitting here that have been Christians longer than I've been alive. I didn't see them raise their hands. We've got kids here that have been saved a matter of a year or two that ought to be just fired up for God. I didn't see them raise their hand. Zeal. Where is the zeal? Where is our zealousness, the desire to to do what God called us to do? Where is our zeal for God's things? The things He would have us to be doing. The people He'd have us to be reaching. Where are the people that are doing that? 
Where are the people that have that kind of fire that can say, I'm earnestly contending for the faith. I'm putting up a fight. And I'm not going to let one person that I know leave this world without me at least presenting the truth to them. Without them at least knowing where I stand when it comes to talking about Jesus. I've seen a lot of funerals in my life. I'm sure there's a whole lot of you that have seen more. How many of y'all have had friends that have left this earth that didn't know Jesus? How many of you have known people that left this earth and didn't know Jesus and they had family that just sat there and watched them die? No zeal. No zeal. Y'all, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what... I know I need to change. I know I need to be more zealous. But at the same time, I see people that... I may be at this level, and I see a lot of people that are way down here that could care less. They come to church just because they feel like they have to. And they can get by with coming one time a week, and that's it. They're, they're good. That's how they feel. I don't know how to, how to speak anything into their life that's going to change their mind. But you know what? I can't expect them to change their mind when I'm not be, living a zealous life myself. When I don't have the kind of zeal that this Scripture talks about tonight, how can I expect anybody else to do any different? How can I expect them to change because of my example when my example is sorry? But that's where I am. So you know what that means? That means I've got to, if I want to be more zealous, I can't keep doing the same thing I'm doing. I can't keep going the same direction expecting something to just happen in the future somewhere and all of a sudden everything's going to be perfect. Because that's not the way life works. That's not, that's not rational thinking. If I want to see change, and look, when I talk about change, I'm not talking about me and my family. If I want to see change in this community... If I want to see change in this country, in this world, I want to see people respond to the call of Jesus Christ. I want to see people saved from eternal damnation. I have to do something to change. I can't keep going the same direction expecting somebody else is going to pick up my slack. Because they won't. Especially in this day and age. Y'all ever heard the term remnant? What you see tonight is a remnant. You see just a handful here tonight. You see just a few people. And you know why these people are here tonight? I'm going to tell you. It's because these handful of people here tonight care about God. They love God. Now, We've already discussed whether you have zeal or not. 
Obviously, you love God or you wouldn't be here. But see, loving God is for you. Having zeal is how you help other people. See, you can love God and you can go to heaven and you're fine. But if you want to actually do what God called you to do through His Son, Jesus, if you want to fulfill what God commissioned you to do, you know what commission means? Do you really understand that term? Sometimes we hear great commission and we just gloss over. Our eyes just... It's just a big word. See, that that was a command... That was an order. That was, that was a, a responsibility that was placed upon us. Why would God put such a heavy load on us? That's not right. We didn't ask for that. You don't think you owe it to Him? You don't think... <clears throat> See, here's the problem, y'all. Because of how good we have it today, we forget exactly what it is that we've been saved from. We forget the state we were in when we got saved. I don't know about y'all. I was young. But I realized if I didn't do something different, I might die and go to hell. I might die and go to hell. Now, that's a serious situation. But we've forgotten that, haven't we? Because we have overcame because of the blood of Jesus Christ that's been applied to us. His righteousness has been put on our account. And we no longer have to worry about that. We're covered. We lost our zeal, though, you see? We forgot what it meant. See, if we really truly remembered how, how grave that situation was, if you really truly remembered how you felt and the desperation that you had knowing that you needed a Savior, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if you really truly remembered you couldn't stand to see somebody go by the wayside. If you really truly remembered and you had the love of Jesus in you, you couldn't stand to see somebody else perish. You couldn't stand it. I'm telling y'all, Jesus went into that church, that temple, excuse me, and He was on a mission. You know why he went into that church? Because that was his father's house. And they were treating it commonly. They were treating it like it was just another building. Do you know it tells you over in one of the Gospels, I can't remember where, but people were actually walking through the temple on their way home, carrying their water jugs. Instead of having to walk around and and go all these other side streets, they would pass through the temple because it was shorter. He had had enough of that. You see, he had a zeal for the house of God. 
And it ain't just the house of God tonight that you need a, a zeal for, although that would be beneficial because there's so many people that have lost their respect for the house of God. But I'm here to tell you tonight, if you would just get some zeal for the things of God and begin to look to Him and say, Father, I can't stand one more time for somebody to leave this earth. If, if I have anything I can do, give me something. Give me a way I can reach them. If there's something I can say, put me in the right place to say it at the right time. When was the last time you prayed something like that? I'm trying to tell y'all today that you may go home and leave this place and forget everything I said. You'll wake up tomorrow and continue on your life. And nothing would have changed. But if you leave here tonight and you happen to get a little zeal, you happen to grab on to a little bit of what I'm saying, and you get into a situation tomorrow where you see somebody that has missed it, somebody that is just on the wrong path, somebody headed the wrong direction, and you have the opportunity. You're going to remember what I'm telling you tonight. You're going to remember, and all of a sudden there's going to be a spark rise up in you, and you're going to say, you know what, I remember when I received Jesus. I remember how desperate I was. I needed a Savior to pull me out of that pit. I needed somebody to rescue me. Huh? Rescue. You hear what I said? Rescue. I needed somebody to rescue me. I needed somebody to do what I couldn't do. See, if it was possible, I wouldn't need Jesus. But it wasn't possible for me. I needed a Savior. I don't know who you're going to see tomorrow. I don't know who you're going to run into or encounter. But I know this much. If they don't know Jesus, it's your duty to make sure they do. At least tell them. You know, you, you, you don't have the power to change their heart. But you have the responsibility to tell them about Jesus. Bottom line. See, I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I just like to get to it. Get to the point. I was thinking of a song tonight, y'all. It's an old hymn. It says, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. And I may have it in the wrong order, but another place it says grace that can pardon and cleanse within. You see, that is the kind of grace that saved me. It was greater than all my sin. What's grace? I want to remind you all tonight. Grace is unmerited favor. He, he showed you favor. You know what favor means? It means He chose you. He picked you out of the group. That's my favorite one. That's what it means. He favored you when you didn't deserve to be favored. He chose you when you didn't deserve to be chosen. That's the kind of grace that saved me. Now, I want you all to remember now, look back. When you received Jesus, where were you at? I don't mean physically, location-wise, GPS tracking and all. I'm talking about where were you at spiritually? 
What kind of situation were you in emotionally? I guarantee you it wasn't all happy-go-lucky. I guarantee you, you, somebody preached or somebody spoke to you, somebody did something and the Holy Ghost moved and tugged at your heart and you said, you know what, I need a Savior. I'm going to hell if I don't ask Jesus to come into my heart. Somebody had some zeal. Somebody listened to the calling of God and spoke when they were supposed to speak. Now, if somebody did that for you, don't you think you owe it to somebody else? Don't you think you could take a little bit of your time to go out of your way to... Oh, let's back up a second. Don't you think you could take a little bit of time to read your Bible, to prepare, to understand what the Word says, and then when the time comes, don't you think you could take a little bit of time to regurgitate some of that Word you read and speak it into somebody's life. Let them know what the Word of life says and begin to start a new creation within them. See, it just takes speaking the Word. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into you. You ain't got to do the drawing. You just have to lift Him up. You just have to exalt the name of Jesus in your life. You know what I realized today? I don't exalt the name of Jesus on a daily basis. Oh, I may pray. I may do my, you know, between me and God, yeah, I lift up the name of Jesus. But I'm talking about when I'm at work. When I'm just going about my daily routines. Am I exalting the name of Jesus in everything I do? Who do you talk to? Who do you spend your time with? If they're not Christians, do they know where you stand? Or do you just kind of gloss over that subject? If they are Christians, do you, do you talk about Jesus with them? See, last time I checked, it's a good thing to get together with other believers. It's a good thing to exhort one another in the faith. 